subcompact tractor. Dig, mow, and move with the Kubota quality you'd expect. Find Kubota at Douglas Lake Equipment and Avenue Machinery. Together online at DLEAMC.com. CISL 650 acknowledges that we are on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Selwithtooth nations. Sportsnet 650 is the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. Seven o'clock on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Our next guest will be performing at Just for Laughs at the Vancouver Playhouse two nights, September 16th and 17th, which coincides with a cross-Canada tour. Starts in Newfoundland, finishes up in BC. It begins just a few days from now on September 5th. Uh, Dara O'Brien. Stand-up comedian joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good, good morning, Dara. How good are morning, you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? I'm very, very well. Good morning to both of you. Uh, good morning to you as well. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. So I mentioned your Canada tour kicks off in a few days, and then it'll culminate here in Vancouver. Have you ever been to ba- uh, Vancouver before? Yep. I, a year ago, I did a, I did a tour that was um, originally supposed to happen in March of 2020, but other events dealt that uh like finished that off i was literally flying to toronto to start the the tour when i got a text on my phone which is the most insane text that said they're shutting canada they're shutting new york get home uh and i had to race to get back to back home to london but the uh, that got cancelled a few times i ended up in the vogue this time last year that's the vogue it's another um kind of cool rock venue uh yeah so it's the vogue for one night last year and now it's expanded to two nights because I've come back 12 months later uh, to two nights in whatever the name of the venue was you said a second ago. Honestly, there's, there's, I got 10 shows in 12 days and the names are all beginning to blur slightly. Vancouver Playhouse but when no, you're here. The Playhouse, that's it. Very good. So I got two nights in the Playhouse. It's usually yeah. a strip club. And, <laughs> every other day. It? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't promise I'll deliver on that. Yeah, <laughs> because, or that you would want me to do. I mean, there's no awkward crossover. Is there like with clientele? They, uh, because I don't have to, my, my audience has to scurry away quickly before the, before the evening shift starts. The, uh, it'll be all right. I mean, it's early enough, 7 o'clock. I'll be done. The girls can still make a, make a bit of cash. Oh, not girls. <laughs> not girls. Oh, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's even better. Uh, I've heard countless stories of people that had these wild adventures when COVID hit and airports shut down and airlines shut down and borders shut down. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was minutes away from going to Hawaii, only he got the same message you can't do. It's like, uh, Hawaii is now closed. Please don't come here, along yeah. with everywhere else. Please do not come to Hawaii. Right where, yeah. where, so, yeah. where were you when all of this happened? What happened? Did you get stranded I'm- at an airport? No, I was in the, uh, what's the other airport in the, uh, on that side of the road, LaGuardia, yes. which is where I was flying, I think, uh, up, to, uh, up to Toronto. And then I had to get back in the taxi and go to JFK to get to British Airways. And I had to essentially go to, like, 
I, 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 and the airport going, can you buy a ticket in the airport? Is that not just a thing in movies? Can you actually go to the desk and go, I'd like to go to? Does anyone, does anyone actually do that? And so I just went up and essentially cried at the desk. I went, please, you need to get me. I need to get home to my family. And the woman, like in the sixth flight tonight, and the woman was like, oh, oh my God, of course we can. And then I said, right, we'll put you under the first flight. It leaves in 30 minutes, you'll have to run to the gate. And I'm on the other side of the desk going, Oh, yeah, right. That'd be the first flight. I mean, like, I wanted to get a bit of dinner and maybe do get some duty free. And now, for no reason, I had to run through the airport uh, to get onto the final seat on the very first flight. So that when I arrived at the plane, there was sweat pouring off me and I was out of breath and I looked like your nightmare passenger at the start of a pandemic. People were like, oh, I am not sitting next to the hot, sweaty guy. That's the worst person to be beside. So uh, so I, I got back and suddenly, like, head spinning. I was ready for two weeks in, in Canada and then found myself in Heathrow at five in the morning going, oh, well, this is not fun. And the worst of it was, I had a three-day break in Toronto in the middle of the thing because obviously we'll do one coast then we fly over to the other coast. And the three-day break, I had a ticket to the basketball, I had a ticket to the ice hockey, and I had one night off, and it was St. Patrick's Day. And that perfect weekend oh. was taken from me by this. And I've always gone, you know, I'm mean, now I'll get to Rogers Field or whatever, I'll go and see some what I can, but, the, uh, but it's not the same. I had, a, I had, a, I had a, the perfect weekend worked out, and then it all got taken away. So there you go. You've segued nicely into the sports part of the conversation, so we've know yes. we know that you're an Arsenal supporter. Uh, Arsenal back in the Champions League for the first time in six years. Draw comes out yesterday. How excited are you for Champions League football again? But I think more importantly, the sort of revival of Arsenal after a few down years. Look, it's been, it's been glorious, and I've been um, just watched the state. It's honestly like COVID made a difference. COVID cleared. Maybe some of the cynicism out of the place, a new generation came in two years later and they're all really excited. And we've got a couple of young lads, Bakaya Saka in particular, who's come up through the ranks and that kind of has created, fostered kind of generally upbeat atmosphere for the whole place. But then the draw happened yesterday for the first time back in, uh, in, in, back in the Champions League. We all were thrilled to miss the big teams. And now we're waking up the following morning going, oh, those, those games don't sound very good at all. <laughs> I mean, like, you want to be in the Champions League because you want to have the big nights. Uh, but actually, we've managed to avoid the big nights entirely. So we're kind of going, oh, okay, so it's Eindhoven. Okay, that's not quite. <laughs> I mean, I've been in Eindhoven. Eindhoven is lovely. Eindhoven has a light bulb museum. That's the measure of Eindhoven as a place. How many different kinds of They're light bulbs so, do they have? That, 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 oh, they make, oh, I'm telling you. They big ones, small bulbs. ones? I don't, and... I don't want to talk it down. It is, as <laughs> light bulb museums go, one of the best light bulb museums you're ever going to get. To. It really is excellent. Yeah. Uh, are but you, it's, are, it's not a big night in Munich, you know what I mean? Right. Are you a rugby fan at all? Because Ireland might actually win this Rugby World Cup. Well, yeah. I mean, well, then I am. Uh, because uh, I went to a different school and we did different sports. I did those crazy Irish sports that... You occasionally will see on clips of world's weirdest sports type things. The, the, the hurling, the one with the sticks. Oh, God, the, uh, that looks so dangerous. Sports. It is. It is quite dangerous. Uh, and uh, you do wear helmets, but there's a lot of... The first thing they teach you when you learn hurling is that when the ball... And I'll get back to rugby in a second. When the ball comes down and you're catching it, is you hold the hurley up against your hand because somebody will swipe your hand with a stick. Right. That is literally the first skill they teach you. So it is... It is quite a dangerous thing. But I went to those schools and rugby was played in other schools. And so I've always had a bit of a, you know, kind of a not fully into it. 
But in Ireland, we learn to love whatever we're successful at uh, because we don't get a lot of ma- like international success. So, yeah, we're all totally into rugby now. What is the... the gr- uh, yeah, so, sorry. Uh, what is the greatest Irish sporting achievement ever? Oh, my God. That is... Wow. And I've only got seven rates to pick from. So the uh, it shouldn't be an enormous debate. The... Uh, Probably Katie Taylor, the greatest female boxer of all time. You'd have to say that she had a good stab at being the number one thing. Uh, although for reasons involving, there's a story involving gangland uh, and, you know, crime. She could never box in Ireland at the height of her career. But she, you know, won the Olympic gold and then became the greatest boxer and uh, female boxer ever. Um, that's pretty good. We, we've got to a couple of World Cups and stuff. It would probably be topped if we won the Rugby World Cup. That would probably be the number one thing. The, uh, and we seem to be seem to be in with the shot, but we are because we have a tendency to not do well in the Rugby World Cup uh, at all. We tend to we tend to, see to peak at the third year of a four year cycle. <laughs> and yeah, that, honestly, that is every Irish person going. Yep, we've done that four times now, and, and we get to a quarter final, and that's it. But we're very very nervous about. It. There's a, even this conversation. A lot of fingers crossed, but the. Uh, but yeah, you know, it could be our year. It could be because England looks awful. Australia looks awful. There's going to be France, New Zealand, South Africa, and then probably Ireland would be the fourth favorite. Oh, I, I would I would pitch us higher than who do you have with them up there? I would pitch us higher than South Africa, and uh, you know, I think yeah, France. Oh yeah, oh no no, we'd be first or second, I think. I think, but then I'm being bullish about this. The only problem is that all of those teams are in the same half of the draw, as far as I know, or certainly three of them at least are in the same half of the draw. So one half of the draw is everyone good, and the other half is England. And England have a tendency to do this, and I'm I'm not saying I'm not being conspiracy theory about this, but they they have it. a ridiculous group. We've South Africa and mm-hmm. Scotland, both of them are great. They have, with respect to Japan, not a group that they should have any difficulty. So they're not, they're, they're they're a bad generation already at the moment, the Indian team. But they'll they'll still be up in the in the later stages of it. The uh, oh the other, the other thing about it is an interesting tournament because. It's such a ridiculously physical sport that there's a, a week's gap between each game. Mm-hmm. So it kind of ferments along, you know, in a way that, you know, it would be unrecognizable for the American sports, you know, that we're going to leave. That, okay, that's a good game. Now let's leave that for seven days. Well, that's, that's what they do in the NFL. Again. That's what they do. That's the exactly NFL, what that, they do in the they, NFL. Yeah. It's too physical. Sports, like whatever. Yeah. It's like we, we got to give people a chance to recover from this. Like, yeah. And it does tend to, whereas the, the soccer World Cup is every three days and you're kind of getting to, it goes into a, a, like a roiling thing that goes on and on and on. The, uh, so this one goes on for like seven weeks or something. It starts in early September and goes on. To, it's, it's, I think, October the 28th is the final, some ridiculous thing. Yeah. It's way late ago, I think. So it goes on for a while. But look, we'll, as I said, we tend to shout because we occasionally, randomly, someone will break out of the Irish gene pool <laughs> and be good at something. And we will instantly become fans of that sport. And it'll be the most important sport we've ever seen in our lives. Uh, the, there being even a debate about women's football for example and you know is it as good blah, blah, blah. all this kind of tiresome debate you see you hear in some places we get know that because if we get a good, good athlete we're following that athlete it doesn't matter who they are or what they are it, we have a good pommel horse play, uh, rider called called, called Reese McClellan who may do well in the Olympics we will be all over the pommel horse that is it we will be obsessed with the pommel horse and we will be you know we will watch the pommel horse avidly that's one of the joys of being from a small country in these situations we're speaking with Dar O'Brien. Do we, do we have that name right? 
Yeah, you're 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 absolutely closer than ninety seven percent of the people who say it. Okay. Yeah, it is. Why would you choose to tour under an Irish language or Gaelic, as you call it over Mm -hmm. there, uh, name in an international showbiz career? It makes no sense at all. Absolutely no sense at all. In an industry where everyone has got a little punchy name like Jimmy Carr or whatever, I'm (laughs) under like some incredibly complicated name with a line over the O and an extra I where there shouldn't. Yeah, you're doing great. You're doing absolutely fine. Okay, um, we're gonna go past the sports part of this, and this might make a lot of (gasps) us uncomfortable because like we're very comfortable with sports and all we know. Um, But um, two of us in the studio went to watch Oppenheimer last night. And okay. we know that you studied math and theoretical physics at university in Dublin. Um, I've seen you have interviews with uh, the late Stephen Hawking, uh, talking to him about things like time travel. So I will ask yeah. you, is time travel really possible? No. Um, unfortunately, Hawking, and I gave out to him about this when I did an interview with him once, uh, wrote a kind of a, a paper about how it can only go one direction, which is the boring direction where you can go forward, but there's no way you can go back again. That's, that's his, that was his theory on it, right. that you couldn't go back. And no one wants to go forward. Sure, what's the fun of that? They, uh, you know, yeah, you want to go you back know, and change guy. things. <laughs> Exactly. You don't want to be the guy at the, in Evil Dead waking up and going, no, I said, fuck, I'm here too long. Like, whatever, now it's gone. Like, yeah, it's gone. Oh, by the way, Oppenheimer, did you enjoy Oppenheimer? I did. I did. I was bragging to these guys that I read the book, too. So, like, I'm that guy. Oh, I was okay. like, oh, I read the okay. book, too. Wow. And then I saw the movie that they make for all the, the people that only enjoy the moving pictures. And, um, in, and in the book, do they also not bother to show the actual bomb going off? I mean, that's not like that. The book is a lot more quiet than the movie, I will say. But they right. showed, yeah. They showed the yeah they, they they described the bomb. They didn't show it. Yeah, yeah there's like there's yeah. a picture part of the bomb. Um, I mean, there really is. I mean, it is a flaw in the movie that they just go, oh, the bomb went off on a phone call. Uh, so yeah, and then he has a couple of weird. I don't, I don't want to ruin it for people, but also, ah, uh, look, I mean, there was a lot about his later life. You know, right. and you're kind of going, okay, do I need to sit in a lot of Senate committees here? You know, that yeah, was the I, book I mostly. It was all, it was, yeah. the, the book was mostly like trying to convince you, like, he's not a communist. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, I get it. <laughs> is, is that debate still going? I'm yeah. still chasing communists. Yeah. The, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I had a real sense of, I, I had a real sense. And I love a lot of your man stuff, um, Nolan stuff, like whatever, but I had a real sense of, well, this is the one time I'm watching this, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I'm glad I've seen it, but I can't see myself going, well, when's it streaming? I was give another three hours to send a committee about, you know, funding in the American, American sciences. The, uh, so, yeah, I wasn't mad about it. But then again, tennis. Have you seen tennis? Jesus. Yeah, but, that's uh, just weird. I was insane. That, um, that's so, just weird. Um, I, was say, I saw Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan edited movies in London. Mm-hmm. And I saw him just after I'd seen tennis. And it was impo- almost, I had to fight the urge not to walk, walk up to him and then walk backwards away from him. <laughs> saying the word. Confusing, not is it? Um, whatever happened to that uh, math and physics career? Do you know what? I don't think there's any sense in which the, the science world is, is, is disappointed about this. It's only they're going, God, if only we'd had him. This sharp mind. Instead, I think it was, it was, you know, it was it's a, it was a fun backdrop, and I, and I still kind of do loads of dorky stuff, and I do sciencey programs, and I've written science books for kids and stuff like that. So it's still all there, 
and it's a thing that I can dip into every so often. But if you want to be in front of a crowd, you want to be in front of a crowd. It's very tough to fight that. It's a very strong drug getting a laugh off an audience, mm-hmm. you know. And then you find yourself, you know, doing a sports broadcast in Vancouver <laughs> at seven in the morning. Like, that's how it takes you down some unusual path. Uh, so it's a so it's a it's a fun it's a very fun thing the uh, doing this and once that started, yeah, that was like unleashing a wild horse. You know, there was no point in which I was going to quietly sit in a room doing maths. You know, when I knew I'd be getting laughs off people instead. Do you ever think what it must be like for an athlete to retire and no longer is able to go out there in front of fifty thousand people that love him and are cheering for him and if he does something haunts, like great like it must be it, like how do you replace that rush? It haunts my every moment the thought of once you do a job like this, stopping that. That would be I cannot imagine how that would be. I cannot imagine how awkward a transition that would be to go from and I have it on a very small like I got a thousand, two thousand in a room, boom boom boom, laugh, laugh, laugh. And then ideally you know, it, that'll, if that gets slow, that'll slowly stop. It wasn't somebody will step in and go, no, I'm sorry, you've done your ACL. You can no longer, you know, get that. But could you imagine just, bam, pick of the finger, that's over. That bit's over. And nothing Nothing's, will be the same yeah. as that again. That would be, it, I, I cannot imagine how they would do that. And like, and what it would take and why they're not all, you know, they don't all end up you know, on substance abuse or, you know, or something, you know, so it takes a, a remarkable thing because that must be, and from that age, the thing I always freak me out, guys, and you're on the right continent for this is, is the way they, like, say for example, American football, the only way to play American football at like 23 is to be a professional American footballer. That's it. There's no local leagues or pickup games really, are there, you know, in the same yeah, way? there's like so semi-pro there's... stuff, but not much. No, no one, not, yeah, not many so like, there's... guys, I'm going to go out and play tackle football this weekend. Yeah, there's no, and there's no kind of like, um, uh, you know, like parish versus parish kind of a thing that we have in Ireland for sports, like whatever. So you can always play some sports, like whatever. But just to be, I remember once interviewing people in a college in, in the Coast Guard Academy, and they had a football team, and they'd come to the end of their, their season. And they weren't a particularly great team, like whatever. But we, we kicked the ball with them and stuff like that, like whatever. But you could smell the poignancy in it, like, because once it's like, they'd done all their time playing the sport, and then that's it. They would never get to play the game again. And that is mad to me that, you know, that's like, no, no, it only goes as far as college and either you're great and you can go on and play like at a really, really high level or that is because there's no way of getting a hundred guys together and putting the helmets on and just having a, yeah, having a Sunday morning kick around. <laughs> so that was, so the whole thing became infused with this, you know, you know, like a teen movie, John Hughes type, you know, these days are the greatest days of your life type thing, like whatever, the whole way through. And you go, wow, that must be so strange to play it for a while and then not play it again. It must be so weird. I mean, I don't know if we're talking sports or, or, or we're onto the emotional part of the conversation now. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's really, that, what, 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 what are you running from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Look, I had a bad knee injury and I couldn't pick up a stick again. So I couldn't go around swiping the arms off people. But, the, uh, but yeah, 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 it'd be tough. Luckily, I'll just play smaller and smaller clubs. You, you know, I'll just keep turning up at places and, uh, you know, with my gags and I'll, and I'll do that. And then until eventually it winds down. And then I'll drive home and my wife will go, Enough. Enough. <laughs> You've done it now. You've had your, you got whatever number of years out of it. Let it go. Uh, you mentioned like the rush that you get, either a venue or a large crowd. Or any, is there one 
um, moment in your career that you really sort of hit you or that the rush was higher than before? Was it playing the Apollo or playing one of the tours where you had the biggest crowd of your life? Was there ever that one singular moment in your stand-up career where you were, it just, the rush was really, really prevalent? Yeah, there's, um, there's times where you go to a new place um, where it's amazing. The stuff at the Apollo are slightly technical and you're kind of worried about lights and facing places and doing things. So you never get to fully enjoy them. Just afterwards you can go, Grant, I have put a version of this down on tape and that's fine. It's good enough it'll work and great and, look, and it looks good. But you never get to fully enjoy those because you can see the crowd and all that. But then occasionally you'll go somewhere you've not gone before where surprising to you like they would know who you are and you go out like whatever and I had this like I had this in Canada last time to say Toronto or, 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 the, or the night in the Vogue in, in Vancouver but the weirdest one I went to Oslo for no particular reason some of the, Oslo, some of the promoters there said oh you should try doing a show here 1300 people in the room I walked out and they got every single line and you're going well that's just A it's cool because these are cool <laughs> places to be you know Scandinavia is amazing um, but also there's no earthly reason for these people to know who I am the, uh, and yet, the, here they are following the entire thing and getting every beat of it in, by the way, their fourth language, but also getting every beat of it. And it was just lovely. It becomes like an, acu- an accumulation rather than one big, but like you go, wow, they're getting every bit of this. This is great. Like whatever. And so that adventure has kind of kept it going for a while. This, by the way, what I'm doing with you guys here has been part of that as well. Because you go, there's nowhere, there's no, what the hell, what am I doing in Vancouver? There will be points where I go, what the hell am I doing here? I'm not from here. Madness. And they go, or Auckland or whatever. But the, uh, but sometimes it's just, it's weird. The stuff travels in ways you don't expect it because of the internet. People know who you are. And then suddenly, boom, you're telling a joke to people and they're laughing. And you're going, that, that's weird. There's no reason for me to be here. So that's amazing. Well, you will be uh, telling jokes to Vancouverites on September 16th and 17th at the Vancouver Playhouse. Uh, If anyone is interested in tickets, go to jflvancouver.com. Dara O'Brien, thank you very much for doing this today. Great talking to you, and enjoy Vancouver when you get here. I cannot wait, lads, and thank you very much for what was a far more interesting and wide-ranging conversation than I was possibly expecting. Uh, and that was fantastic. We touched on Oppenheimer and human frailty and so much more. What a sports show, guys. What a fantastically rich experience. Yeah, our, our, our sports teams aren't very good, so we, uh, we usually talk about other stuff. <laughs> excellent. Very good. That's perfect. That's, that's an excellent mission statement. Thanks, yeah. Thanks so, Dara. A joy, lads. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. Care. That's Dara O'Brien here on the Halford Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, a reminder, he'll be doing stand-up two nights. They added a second show. That's how popular he is. Mm-hmm. So it was originally just going to be Saturday the 16th. They've now put a second show on Just for Laughs, Sunday the 17th. Vancouver Playhouse. Go get tickets. We're, uh, we're, we're adopting Ireland for the Rugby World Cup, by the way, just so you know. You, okay, so I got to say... That was did, awesome, by the way. He, he's very... That it was, was awesome. very good. Very entertaining. I didn't even get to... Ask, we should have asked him more probably about uh, like being a... I don't want to say a close personal friend, but some confidant of Stephen Hawking. Right. You know, that was kind was of like, like a... Was he smart? Yeah. <laughs> I hear he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned adopting Ireland for the Rugby World Cup before mm-hmm. we pandered to our guest, Dara O'Brien. Yeah, it's the, it's the Irish part of me. Yeah. See, I'm half English, half Irish. I just want to point out that this, I normally, isn't, this isn't just a thing that we did to pander to our guests. No, no, no. You had this out there before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Ireland... So we asked Dara. We were like, what is your greatest sporting achievement as a country? And he was like, uh, 
mentioned like a female boxer that they had. I was going to jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt. And um, you know, there was a couple times he did mention that they went to the World Cup and they had they had a big win over Italy in 1994. But if they win this Rugby World Cup, and they could, they're not the favorites, but they could, and they were really good in Six Nations, and they're going into this feeling good. Like that will be an unbelievable sporting accomplishment for that mm-hmm. country. So I think we're going to support Ireland at this World Cup because England looks awful. Australia doesn't look very good. I think it will, because it's in France, the French will be one of the favorites. The All Blacks are always in the mix, South Africans too. And then those are like the four Mm -hmm. and Ireland. Uh, So I did this a little bit at the 94 FIFA World Cup in the United States of America, Mm -hmm. which quite famously England did not that. qualify, yeah. Nor yeah. did Canada. Right. So you're kind of, you know, you're watching Well, Canada it. didn't make it that. No, <laughs> didn't make it. <laughs> no, weren't there. Uh, so you kind of, you do the thing that you're talking about. You find a team to adopt or a team that you can get behind and everything. Yeah. I, I can remember it like as clear as day. So I'm like, I'm Ireland versus Italy, 94, Ray Houghton with a looping shot. Mm, giant stadium. It was in giant stadium, yeah. 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 And you got to remember that that was sort of, America's, I know they played the sport before, but it was their first indoctrination to like the big, yeah, the big event. Like right. it, it, before then, there used to be jokes that like s- soccer was a sport just played by children across the U.S. Like thousands of children played, then no respectable adult plays it. And then all of a sudden, the World Cup comes. So you had these pockets of each individual nationality within the U.S. really rise to prominence. And I remember there was like a, a huge Irish contingent at Giant Stadium, mm-hmm. right? It was like, and Italian. Right. Every Irishman and Italian in the, the, tri- the tri-state area showed up for that game. Yeah, yeah. And it w- the atmosphere was incredible. And I just remember the Irish fans were delirious, delirious with joy over beating Italy. Because it was a also huge... Also very up- drunk. And dr- Yeah, it could have been both. But it was a huge upset. It was It was awesome. a huge moment, yeah. right? So... Uh, that was that was cool. That was a really nice nice little interview there with Dara O'Brien, who, uh, in addition to enjoying the hit, also complimented us on not butchering his name, which I'm, mm. I'm almost equally proud of because I am not good at pronunciation. So we had Berkey to start, Dara O'Brien mm-hmm. second, hitting three in the lineup. Coming up next, we got the Moj. Yeah, noted Irishman Bob Marjanovic. <laughs> We'll talk to Moj about the Lions needing to bounce back yet again after failing to bounce back against the Hamilton Tiger Cats at BC Place in easily their worst performance of the season. It's back to Vancouver Sports Talk with the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show, your home for Vancouver summer sports talk. Subscribe to the podcast now. Seven thirty-two on a Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. I think everyone should text in and tell a dog how impressed they are with all the guests, the great guests that he's been booking in the last few weeks. Don't give because, him a swelled head. No, no, no. I've learned that with millennials, you're supposed to use positive reinforcement, and if you criticize, sometimes they just shut down. It's true. Yeah, I'm very weak. Hey, dog. I shut down with the slightest criticism. Hey, dog. You're a good boy. Thank you. You're a a good boy. Slightly creepy, but thank (laughs) you. Uh, The only problem with this is that you're not a millennial. 
Yes, I am. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Right. If you're born between 1980 and 2000, you're a millennial. I'm born in 1984, yeah. so I'm a millennial. The, the, the millennials also, like, even if he wasn't, they'd give him, like, an honorary degree. <laughs> yeah. He's sensitive enough. <laughs> Here's your he system. asks enough questions. Yeah. Here's your weighted blanket. <laughs> what are you not going to weighted blankets for? Do you have one? I actually don't, but they are nice. They help you sleep. I tried it once. No, I tried I, it I, once. I tried it once. Too I, suffocating. Uh, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Hmm. I think I went too heavy because I was like, oh, I'm a big guy, so I need the heaviest blanket. <laughs> Give me the 50-pounder. trapped. I can't feel my legs. Yeah, sir, to call 911. <laughs> sir, you're sleeping under a sheet of iron. I don't think that's the way to do it. Uh, Moj is diligently waiting on hold. Uh, he will not be playing just for laughs like our previous guest. He will be playing the Lions game this Saturday against Montreal. Before we get to Moj, I need to tell you that Halford and Brough in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. To the phone lines we go. It's Moj. Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? You know, I gotta stop doing these hits on a rampway leading up to a jet because it's loud. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but yeah. the engine's kind of revving up a little bit. You taking the PJ? Both that? Are you taking the private jet? Well, charter, yeah. Speaking of private jets, um, at the same facility here in Richmond, Air Drake is parked about, I don't know, a couple hundred yards away. Big-ass jet. <laughs> Not like a little private jet. I'm talking like an airliner jet. Like a, I think it's a 757, actually. So Does it say travel, Drake on the side? Style. Does it say Drake? No, I don't know what it says. I didn't get close enough to it. It's like blue and white. But uh, it's a, I think it's a, somebody said it's a 757. So, yeah. Lifestyles of the rich and famous for you. Yeah, that'd be nice. Then you'd have to work a lot more. Uh, Moj, um, the Lions' performance against Hamilton, you came and visited us, uh, visit, you paid us a visit in the suite at halftime, and I think you used the word flat about a hundred times. Um, do we have any explanation for why the Lions came out so flat against Hamilton? No, and the coaches don't either. I mean, it's the first thing Rick Campbell talked about in his post-game press conference, and you know, he had no explanation for it. Usually, like, sometimes you can tell how a team practices during the course of the week, if they're going to be ready for a game or not. Apparently, all the preparations, you know, they had great practices, a lot of energy, and they just, you know, came up with a really, really poor performance when it came to effort, energy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I know Coach Campbell talked talk about energy, but, yeah, just no explanation for it. Just one of those things. And, you know, guys, it's kind of strange with football. I mean, if you've been around long enough, you'll hear people tell you, and even – experience it. I mean, sometimes you have a great week of practice and you don't have any energy, you come out and play poorly, and there's other occasions when you have a horrible week of practice and you come out and play a great game. So, that's why they call it sports, I guess. I definitely noticed how many times Rick Campbell mentioned that his guys got pushed around, especially with regards to how effectively Hamilton ran the football. Um, so, I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be the talking point or the rallying cry for this week is that not only were they flat, but there was, you know, that's football, right? Anytime you get physically dominated, it's really easy to kind of hammer away at that to rally the troops for the next game. Did you notice that as well? That they were getting pushed around? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the thing is, too, is like that's kind of related to energy. When you're flying around and you got a lot of energy and a lot of spunk, you, you know, you're getting five, six hats around the football every single time. I remember one play specifically in the game where Tebow Dubai. Um, and, and when you're playing defensive line, trying to make a tackle is extremely difficult a lot of times because you've got a running back that's got a full head of speed, a four or five-yard run, and, you know, even if you slide off your block, this guy's coming with a lot of power. So you kind of slow him down, and then you kind of, you know, hope for a little help. And I remember one play, Tebow Dubai got off his block, 
met Butler and Butler dragged him for like three or four yards. And there was like nobody there, like, you know, to help out. No linebackers, no DBs, no other D linemen. So that was just kind of indicative of the entire day. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. A presentation of the Clayton Public House, your home of football. Every game day, catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Uh, Moj, okay, uh, when I posed this question earlier, uh, Bruff asked if I was in my, my Dave Pratt mode, so I'm, I'm bracing you for this, okay? It feels weird saying this of a 7-4 and four team that's second in their division, but is this game on Saturday in Montreal against the Alouettes a must-win, must-win, baby, for the BC Lions? Well, I'm not going to go must-win in terms of anything like that, but, I mean, if you want to finish in first place, this is pretty much a must-win. Lions basically have to run the table in their next four games and hope that Winnipeg loses one game. That would put them within one game of first place. You beat Winnipeg, you have the tiebreaker, and then you can move forward. So clearly when you look at it from a first-place perspective, pretty much the Lions will have to run the table and then hope for a little help. from. And I could see Winnipeg losing one of the games against Saskatchewan, possibly even Toronto. So in terms of first place, yeah, I think the next four are must-wins for the Lions. How about me just making sure that they host a playoff game at this point? The way they played against Hamilton, I'm like, okay, yeah, is I'm, second I'm not, guaranteed here? The Riders yeah, are five and I'm, five. The Lions are seven and four. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about the Riders to be honest. I think you know when it's all said and done, the Lions will finish at second at the very worst. You know, and of course, an opportunity to finish first. We'll see what happens over the course of the next month. But yeah, I mean, the Riders are a good football team. Make no mistake about it. I mean, they've got a lot of talent, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, but. I think when it's all said and done, the Lions are a better team than Saskatchewan. Uh, let's turn our attention to the National Football League now. And the plight of Nathan Rourke in Jacksonville. Um, my first question is, that, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, now that we know how this situation played out, did Rourke ever, ever at any stage of this thing have a real shot at the backup gig? No. And I think, you know, when you look at what transpired and how it all went down, I mean, it was Beathard's job and Beathard's job the whole way. The thing is with the National Football League, guys, it's crazy in terms of the politics that are involved. First off, when you look at players, it's all about parameters. You know, they, they have to meet certain standards or guidelines. Their quarterback's got to be 6'4". He's got to be running this 40. Whatever. A linebacker. Uh, I'll tell you a great story. A couple of years back, Johnny Holland. Um, I don't know if you remember the name. He was a Packer, uh, Green Bay Packer linebacker. He's in their Hall of Fame. He's in the Texas uh, Tech, Texas A&M Hall of Fame, and he currently coaches the San Francisco 49ers. He coached the Lions one year, and that was the year that they had Big Hill and Elamimian in their prime. And I remember talking to him, and he said, you know, if these guys were 6'2", 6'3", he goes, they'd be playing on Sundays. And, you know, we saw what happened with Adam Bigel in New Orleans. He goes down there. The guy plays great in the preseason, but it's about draft choices. If you're an undrafted free agent, you, are, you, have, you have to move mountain and earth to get a shot over a guy who they've invested a draft pick in because, you know, it's just, it's just the politics of the national football league. I mean, yeah, you can tell Nathan Rourke, he's got an opportunity to, to go for number two, but guess what? When it was all said and done, it was better. Remember Dave Dickinson signing with the Chargers? Oh, you're going to have an opportunity to compete for the starting role. Within a couple of weeks, they drafted Drew Brees and traded for Doug Flutie. So it's just the politics of the national football league. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so I because my my next question was going to be, did he get sold a false bill of goods with this? Because if you go back and look at the interviews from when he initially signed, 
And even in the trial process, because I mean, he worked out for 11 different NFL teams, if I'm not mistaken. You know, there's there's things like Nathan Rourke got reassurance from the Jaguars that he was going to be able to compete and that this was going to be a first step as you eventually become an NFL starter. So I'm trying to figure out if he got sold a false bill of goods or if this is just the way that the world works in the National Football League. I think it's the way the world works. But, you know, here's the interesting point, too. I mean, you mentioned it, what, 11 trials? If he had blown somebody away on a trial, do you think they would have let him walk out the building without signing a contract? I don't know. I mean, I like no, no, I, they wouldn't have. I'll just go back. I got this whole thing completely wrong. Maybe it's because I'm naive or dumb or whatever. But I thought just a rube from Canada. <laughs> he's going to play football. Like I just thought that the way that the tryout worked, and then the the spot that he took where there was no shot of being a number one and you were 100% going to be the backup behind Lawrence. I just assumed that that's how it was going to play out, but I guess that was my naivete showing. Yeah, and, you know, again, like I said, and, and you know, it's funny because we're talking about the, the politics in the National Football League. I mean, the same holds true the Canadian Football League. I mean, think about Canadian quarterbacks and Canadian running backs. It wasn't until maybe the last 10 years that, you know, you're going to start playing Canadians at running back. And, you know, Nathan Rourke, a Canadian quarterback. Now you have Trey Ford in Edmonton. So it, it holds true this this side of the border as well. Speaking of CFL quarterbacks, what do you make of Chad Kelly of the Toronto Argonauts becoming the CFL's highest paid player? Well, I mean, what he's done with Toronto, I mean, he's come in there and, you know, he's backed up what he said. You know, he's backed up the talk and he's looked really good with the Argos this year and signing a three-year deal that bodes well for Toronto. It bodes well for the league because he's an exciting quarterback and that's what this league is based on. Any league is based on. It's about having quarterbacks that, you know, can put people in the seats that can go out there and play entertaining football, and Chad Kelly can do that. So it's great for the Argos, and it's great for the league. Moj, before we let you go, you know it's Ask Us Anything Friday, and we all know that it's your favorite segment of the week. Um, so here's one. Jason came up with this one, actually. I got This is one, not a user-submitted one. Jason came up with it last night. So I'll give you... Give you a moment after I read it to sit and ponder, okay? If you could have anyone involved in hockey and that person had to tell you the truth to everything you asked, who would you pick? Again, if you had to talk to anyone involved in hockey and that person absolutely hockey, yeah, and that person absolutely had to tell you the truth to everything that you asked, who would you pick to ask questions of? You know what? I think you could almost pick anyone, and I'll get to somebody in a second, but there's so much stuff in hockey and sports in general that just goes unreported. Um, if I had to pick somebody in hockey, that's a great question. But, you know, first off, you'd want somebody who's going to tell you a, a lot of good stories yes. and a lot of... Yeah, funny stories, too. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> the thing is, Ronick, right off the top of my head, maybe a guy like Ronick or Brad Hall, just, you know, some sort of character that's been around the league for 15 or 20 years and probably has a a boatload of stories. So probably one of those two guys. Yeah. I thought Brett Hull was a good choice because but I feel like Hull's probably told those stories like rather openly. Not to me. Right. Yeah. I think Gretzky's got some great stories. Most people. So I put this out on, on Twitter yesterday and most people had like the, the people in charge, like the authority figures, whether it's Gary Bettman or Colin Campbell back in 2011 or various owners, management of the Canucks, so they could ask them, like, did you really think this? Like, they, they want to... They want to know. They want to know the truth behind some of the decisions that have been made that have affected the Canucks. But 
I'm kind of halfway between like, yeah, that would be interesting. Like to sit down with Gary Bettman and just have a whole list of questions about, you know, the things that maybe the fires that he had to put out that nobody even found out about or, you know, various conspiracies, even just to confirm that they weren't conspiracies. If he has to tell you the absolute truth. But then I'm like, would he tell me fun stories? I, like, imagine the stories that Gretzky could tell you about his days with the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s and some of the things that went on with that team that not only won, but also had a lot of fun at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that would be good. And, you know, it's kind of funny you talk about, I mentioned Ronick and Hull. Those guys have told a lot of the really good stories, but just think about the ones they haven't told you, right? I mean, kind of... <laughs> if this is what you're so, willing to share, my God. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? Um, so when I think of, like, you know, Batman would Batman be that revealing? Would he be that much fun? I mean, listening to yeah. listening to a character, at least you'd have a good laugh out of it, and they could really be a really good storyteller. I just don't see Harry as one of those guys that's going to be sitting at like you know the pub around you know at a table with about four or five guys storytelling. Uh, Moj, travel safe. Say hi to Drake for us, and uh, we'll do this again next Friday. All right, buddy. Take care. Yeah, have See a good bye. one. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of Clayton Public House. Uh, so who would you choose? I, th- I threw out, you know, the obvious ones. Like the ones that, so the ones that immediately came to mind for me okay. were Trevor Linden and Gary Bettman. Okay. Uh, like what, what were, like, and, and I would get into the details. I would get into the weeds with Trevor Linden. Yeah. You know, like what happened when you said this? Oh, yeah. And what did he say? And et cetera. And like, it's all about his. Um, and it would, <laughs> I mean, like, I might ask you something from your playing career too, but it's mostly about sure. your stint as president. Um, so I, I, I thought about this probably far too long and far too much, but that's okay. Um, and then, so I did two exercises here. One, I took some of the best user submitted ones because you can put okay. it on Twitter. And then I just, I, I'm like, you know what? I should come up with one on my own. So if, if you're allowed to bring people back to life, meaning that they've passed. Um, I'll allow it. Okay. I think Alan Eagleson would be probably at the top of oh, the list. he'd have some stories. Did well, you steal it? Yep. Right. But, but that, that's the thing is you would have to have, he, he would have to be honest yeah. about all the awful things that he Yeah, did. his yeah. lawyer couldn't be with him. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't answer that, Alan. I know you're in the afterlife, but still, it's not worth it. So that would be my well, choice. And also just some of the stories that he could tell. Although sure. he might have told a bunch of them already about his time organizing the 1972 Summit Series and traveling over to Russia and, 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 and that sort of stuff. Um. I but so that was my one choice was I thought Alan Eagleson if you could bring someone back would be one that would be a good one. Um, some of the ones that the users the listeners sent in basketball Phil had a good one that was kind of off the radar but I think would be really intriguing. Stefan Oje. Oh okay. He of course. But that would be quite a narrow scope, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean we're, we're look. The obvious answer is Bettman, Daly, Colin Campbell. Benning, like, Benning, Benning, yeah, Benning, 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 sure. yeah. But Why like, did you do what you did? Yeah, half, half the conversation would just be like, really? Yeah. Really? You'd be like, yeah. I did, oh, I man, that, that was like the first I, thing really? that came to my mind. was As soon as you had, I saw you ask that question, like, I want to know everything that yeah. happened when Benning was so here. So do you want to know, here, here would be the big question I would have for Benning. How many moves did you make that you didn't think were good long-term moves? but you knew you had to make for the short, short-term good of the team. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's fair. The only thing, I'm just to circle back to the one that I picked, the only reason I picked it is because, Stefan Auger, is because you'd want one ultimate truth 
and it would be the entirety of it. And it would be simplistic, but you'd also finally, like, did you screw over Burroughs? Were you out to screw him over? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Did you have a bias against Burroughs? You'd be like, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. You can leave now. And you'd be like, do you have any other good stories? (laughs) A referee would be interesting, too. Carrie Fraser? Yeah, like, you you could ask a referee, you know, did you ever just intentionally go out and screw over a guy in a game? Like, were you looking to get this guy in the penalty box but i think the answer would be like if the answer was like yes you'd be like oh so you're a human being yeah right that sometimes does and it's only hockey right no i know and kill a guy no but you can ask him that too and you know what you know what you might ask stefan Auger. he's like you you might as well because you can you're there you got him all the questions you ever kill a guy and be like i was hoping you were just going to stick to hockey but Yes. Yeah. And I just have one question. How quite, dare you? Quite a um, few. Yeah. My first pick was Colin Campbell. Is it, I saw the name come up in the inbox. 2011, Colin Campbell. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, uh, I want all the details on that one. Nice um, like, it's interesting because the, the most obvious answer is Gary Bettman. It's just, it really is. Between the amount of time that he served in the role and the number of things that have happened. And all and the, the things n- he knows, because yeah. he always knows, right? And the number of lockouts, including the one that's coming up in 2026. There's so many of, <laughs> there's so many things that he's been privy to that if he was forced to tell the truth, I think it would be a shocking expose and revelation, yeah. I, I, I would imagine. Because he's probably, especially when he first came on board, like the, the you got to remember, the NHL when Gary Bettman came on board was a complete garage league. It really was. It was small and insular and really behind the times. And there was, you know, like the idea of expanding and going where you wanted to go and growing the game. There was people that pushed back because they liked it being a smaller league that they could control and that, you know, outside influences and people didn't yeah. understand the game, right? So the owners, there were certain owners that ran the league. Right. You and know? they liked it that way. Yeah. You know? And it, the and so things have dramatically, dramatically changed under Gary Bettman's watch. Yeah, I think it depends what you want to get out of the conversation. Do you want funny stories, unbelievable stories of what guys in the league used to go through both on and off the ice? Or do you want to get to the truth of something mm-hmm. that you honestly believe? Yeah. Like for me, the 2011 series, um, I don't have as much anger towards the league as most Canucks fans do. Mm. And I think people might be surprised to hear that. But, like, I just, I think at the end of the day, the Bruins were the better team in that series. Um, Right? That was the main factor. So I don't really, like, I don't don't have this huge, like, we got screwed over, we got screwed over, we got screwed over mentality. I was like, we got banged up and we got beaten by a team that's, you know, in hindsight, had a bunch of Hall of Famers. Like no one knew that Bergeron was going to be a Hall of Famer at that point. He was just a, he was just a good player, and right, like it just it just it just happened, right? So for me, it's more like I want to know, uh, I want to know some fun stories. Mm-hmm. Um, on the subject of you know, because this is Sportsnet six fifty, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. This is your home of the Canucks. Everyone's got a very Canuckian lean to this question and the subsequent answers. If you were to take like a Mount Rushmore of players, just players that you'd want for this exercise. Linden's on there a hundred percent. Gretzky for me, because he, he's a great storyteller. Oh, Canucks. 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 Um, you'd have to Crow, have Mark Crawford. 
to know what happened with Bertuzzi and Moore, what was yeah, said. Cause, cause you, what was said. I don't know if it would be... Of all the people involved in the Bertuzzi-Moore incident, the one you'd want is actually Steve Moore because he's been so reclusive and so quiet in the aftermath. I don't think anyone's had a No, but I'd want to know what's, what's happened from the Canucks side. Like, how was there a plan there? And who said what and who promised what, et cetera, et cetera. Two other former Canucks that would be fascinating to talk to to get every truth imaginable. Mark Messier, Pavel Bure. Yeah, those would be two. I think, and and then. If but you, what 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 would be the topic with Messier? Um, did you demand that Trevor Linden be stripped of the captaincy so you right. could have it? Did you orchestrate that? How bad was it in Vancouver? Did you ever really want to be here? All of these questions mm-hmm. I would ask. How much did you do it for the money? Yeah, and then I mean, but but then you'd get answers of like I did it for the money. Yeah, but, well, that's oh. fine. It's not like a, it's not like he's going to tarnish my, yeah. his, his reputation. I'm not a huge Messier fan. To begin with, so it's not like they're going to tarnish his reputation or anything. Okay, um, we're up against it for time. We've got one final hour to come on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, at 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall is going to join the program. Dollywall's back, not in POG form, in Sportsnet 650 form. Oh, we, we made POGs for him as well, actually. We will be selling them. Dollywall Pugs and Alf Pugs. Yeah, just, just a Pog with a picture of Dollywall's face in it. <laughs> um, Rick Dollywall's going to... Similar ju- personalities. It's true. They were both relevant in the 80s. Um, Rick is going <laughs> to... Well, is that was gonna- a nice uh, scheduled hit we had with Rick one. Rick is going to join us. Uh, coming up on the other side, it's going to be a weekly hit, and we'll go over all the hits that Donnie and Dolly are going to do on Sportsnet 650 this, this Canucks season. Also at 8.30... We're going to do Ask Us Anythings and What We Learns. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Text in a What We Learned. That's what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. And an Ask Us Anything. That's right. Do both. Hashtag it WWL or AUA. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. We will read them in the final hour of the show. It's your chance to be on the radio. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.